Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio. By my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, you and I are both uh, chomping at the bit to do an NFL preview show, but we're not going to do it today. Uh, we've got a number of topics that require our attention, uh, a number of uniform-related things. There's nothing you and I love to discuss more, it seems, than men's fashion, while also being straight men ourselves. But uh, we can't help ourselves. We've got alternate helmets. we got city uniforms. Uh, lots of things that require our attention this morning um but before we get into all of it pipe let's uh take a quick break pay some bills hello this is dr doug grotheis host of truth tribe where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most and we are not tribal since truth is for everyone please join me at the truth tribe as i discuss the reasons for christian faith the christian worldview and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology to listen now go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. All right, we're back. Uh, before we get into the uniform stuff, Piper, uh, I want to talk Kyler Murray, and I want to talk Kyler Murray's new contract writer that is now apparently torn up and gone. Uh, what a disaster this whole Kyler Murray experience has been. Um, I want to I get your like high-level thoughts on it before I, I drill down into some questions for you. I just I think it's delightful when <laughs> a generational gap conflict is just summed up in a contract clause. Yeah. It, it it amused me to no end. So, because I sit firmly between the two generations. Yeah. You know, so I kind of look at it and I look at the old guy and I'm like, you're nuts. And I look at the young guy and I'm like, you might have deserved it, but you're kind of nuts too. And and yeah. there's, you know, so so for, for listeners, if I understood it correctly, the contract clause was basically like a no video games first, <laughs> like, or, or limit the amount of video games you play. So that you watch at least, I think it was four hours of film a week. Um, yeah. And just for context, I'm a 46-year-old man who's like barely employed in the football industry. I watch north of four hours a week. Like, I, four hours is baseline for me. Um, and he's the quarterback of an NFL team getting paid untold millions to do to do this job so just well, for perspective yeah and yeah. and that and like i said i sit firmly between these things where i'm like yeah. I, you know i i came up with the video game generation but like it is yep. it has far outpaced me you know yeah, i'm you know the, sure. the whole online gaming world is way beyond anything you know we played on like n64 and <laughs> yeah, xbox yeah. and whatever <clears throat> yeah and uh but also i'm now raising kids and like this is exactly the kind of 
rules or deal I make with them when the school year starts. You know, no screens yeah. during the school week so that yeah. your homework gets like only screens for doing school projects, those kinds of things. And yeah. it's uh, so I'm like, yeah, this is exactly the generation we're in. But it's so funny that it's in a it's in a contract paying somebody <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars to be a professional. Like you're basically saying, we're signing our franchise over to you. We're depending on you. We're also going to treat you like a tiny child. Now limit your screen time, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Too many screens. They yeah. actually they want to limit his screen time so that he could get more screen time. Right. For his job. Um, it's just remarkable. It's an amazing thing. What's and. It smacks of like so when I uh, when I used to work I worked at Moody Publishers for a while, mm-hmm. and they were trying to figure out you know they were always a little heavy handed with employees you know being a, a sort of fundamentalist institution, and there was a lot of like now we expect you not to use social media on the computers the work computers and that yeah. kind of thing, and again this was this was ten eleven years ago so social media didn't have quite the same. You yeah. know, ubiquity that it does now. That's right. But but it had sort of that like, I'm I'm grown and you've asked me to do a job. Do you or do you not? Like, let the results speak for themselves. Do you or yeah, do you not right. trust me? If that's I was right. Kyler, I would yeah. look at this and think they absolutely think that I'm a child. They yeah. do not trust me. That's that's what that clause says. Even if yeah. it's entirely justified because he doesn't do any film study, which I don't know right. that that he he does have a bit of a reputation for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's a fascinating question, and it speaks really at a high high level to like how good is Kyler? You know what I mean? And I mean I'm reminded of like conflicts between quarterbacks and coaches dating way back to like the 80s even a little bit before your time like John Elway and Dan Reeves didn't get along like Elway kind of did his own thing a lot and um I mean I think Phil Simms and Bill Parcells had their issues at times and it's like these guys that we look at through the kind of lens of the rearview mirror as perfect iconic quarterbacks you know they they had their issues with coaches and their issues with freelancing, and I think when you're a when you're a physical kind of marvel, when you can do unusual things, and you've been the best on the field since birth, um, yeah, maybe the film study doesn't feel as pressing. But it, it kind of got me thinking, Piper. What would some of the analogs be in like our industries? Like if you were a pastor, and there was one part of pastoring that you just didn't like doing, like oh, commentaries. I hate him. Sermon prep. This is Ronnie, basically, right? Isn't he always complaining about commentaries? Oh, so if, if yeah. you're and just yeah, research it, of any kind, he hates research. Right, right. I want to. I want to speak, but I don't want to study. You know, Ronnie is Kyler Murray, um, minus the video games. So maybe, maybe it's social media for Ronnie. So maybe mm. into his contract, you bake in like no Twitter unless you put in four hours of like commentary work a week. You know, we got to make sure that sermon is, you know, at least researched at a baseline level um for me it would be grading it'd be like ah cluck he's a great teacher but he just doesn't grade mm-hmm. you know so like no maybe i don't get to watch football until i've i've yeah. graded if for you, you would know. be the opposite it would be no film study until your grading is done <laughs> exactly you do not get to watch neck rolled fullbacks from 1993 <laughs> until you have graded those essays no mike allstott tape until you've graded the essays yeah, yeah. i 
I actually, my elegant solution is to grade while watching film. So uh, <laughs> I get, I, I kind of get both then. And if, I'm doing both at a very low level then. But so. if, well, if I was your student, I would absolutely want that because I always wanted my professors to, I, I was like, I hope they're in a good mood when they grade this because I just feel like there's, yeah. there's a little more opportunity for grace. And distraction is nice too because absolutely. you might be able yeah. to slip some BS by them. So like if you were in a good mood and slightly distracted by all stop running over, you know, Ed McDaniel and the Vikings, then uh, win-win <laughs> for all parties. Great. Yeah, I'll stop running over Ed McDaniel. Is just uh, that's a happy '90s memory all the way around. So uh, I'll, I'll take <laughs> not it. for me, <laughs> not was, for you. Definitely. I mean, it was it's delightful in its era, but also a lot of a lot of crushed dreams by Mike Allstadt. He ate the Vikings alive. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he had some epic games against the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things, dude. Where like, I think you have two types of, and I'd be curious to see where you fall on this continuum. And I'm. I'm not even sure where I fall on it. In terms of your football watching, your football fandom, are you drawn more to, like, the singular talent? Like, Kyler Murray does two or three jaw-dropping things a game. Now, he also does two or three, like, completely inexplicable boneheaded things a game, (laughs) including, like, sulking on the sideline and seeming completely disinterested if his team goes down by, like, more than one touchdown or whatever. Um, He's, like, maybe the worst body language guy ever um also where are you out on body language does that matter to you are you like a body language enthusiast when it comes to these guys um it depends on the position yeah i am i don't care at all about it when it comes to wide receivers i just assume no, that no. wide receivers are going to be mad and pout yeah. and stuff it matters when it's quarterbacks and coaches mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they set the tone for the team like they yeah. and so if if a quarterback is you know, sulking, like the whole, everybody depends on him. Everybody works around him. Everybody works for him. You yeah. know, when coaches lose their minds, I'm always like, that doesn't seem like a good look, you know? Yeah. Or they, they yeah. you know, they get somebody about a face mask and like they're spitting in their face and chewing them out. So yeah, body <laughs> yeah. language matters. It, it matters to me more in a sport like basketball where it's a smaller number of people. So everybody's influence is, is greater and, yeah. <clears throat> and they have to work as a unit. Yeah. Whereas in football, like football's an isolated sport in the sense of like you have your job to do. You can't. Right. You might be aware of what everybody else is supposed to do, but you really only have to worry about your assignment. And you yeah. do your assignment perfectly, and somebody else blows it. The whole team looks bad, but you did your job. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I don't worry about it as much there. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Like, are you drawn in general more to like the singular talent or more to the? You know, the the narrative around Peyton Manning all those years was, oh, nobody works harder. He's in the film room, you know, 90 hours a week. And I, I know I know people who were really, like, delighted by that narrative. And it, and it seemed to validate something in them. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, well, and, and maybe this is a function of living in Tennessee. But a lot of people sort of put their, their own sort of cosmic philosophical values on Peyton Manning to some degree, (laughs) which always kind of, I get a kick out of that because it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he, he spent what three years at the university of Tennessee and the entire state now believes that he's like our, you know, baby Jesus. Um, Yeah. He's whatever you want him to be. He's either a Christian or he's like a a legendary party animal or yeah, right. He's Republican. He's a Democrat. He's whatever you want him to be. Yeah. Kissing babies, shooting deer, whatever you want him to be. Um, (laughs) Right. Right. And yeah, I, I, what it comes down to me, what it comes down to for me is end results. I like watching. So like if I could watch 
like Cam Newton in his peak versus Tom Brady or Peyton Manning in their peak. Yeah. The contrast in styles was really fun. And I know, I mean, Cam Newton had a reputation as supreme talent, didn't work that hard, but he was actually, I think he was actually a student of the game. You know, there's that great video clip going around where I think they're playing the Packers. And who was the Packers? Uh, Kind of the Thor-looking dude with the long hair. Um, Oh, yeah, Clay Matthews Jr. Yeah, Clay Matthews. I think think it was Clay Matthews calls out a play. Cam's... uh, Cam's under center, and he's like, oh, you, you, you watch film, that's cute, watch this. Audibles uh-huh. into a play that scores him a touchdown, and then, you know, swears at Clay and runs off the field. And, that is uh, epic. So, it, but again, end result. I, yeah. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning got where they were by being psychotic about film study. Cam Newton was a student of the game, but a supreme physical talent. Like, more physically yeah. talented at quarterback than maybe anybody we've watched in the last 20 years 100 years i don't know just in terms of size speed big arm etc right same thing with like michael vick uh versus peyton manning back in the day yeah who do i i'm drawn to watching both of these guys be awesome and going these are massively contrasting styles which makes it more fun there's no automaton here yeah i think we forget what a fun watch michael vick was you know when he was when he was right when he was on like nobody accelerated faster than that guy. I mean he was really really interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I I think I think you make a good point. You know, and if if the if the Cardinals win twelve games this year and go deep into the playoffs, then all this is forgotten and and it's a footnote in the in the annals of Kyler Murray history. But uh, yeah, definitely a fascinating kind of. 2022 time capsule thing in that it also involves social media there was the whole like scrubbing of one's instagram account of the team in order to get what one wants which yeah as a (laughs) as a man over a certain age this seems just laughably ridiculous and yet it's you know very much a part of the dna of of right now and i think people of a certain age view it as not at all ridiculous where are you at on that aspect of it it is it is one of those things that very much I look at and I go, oh, yep, they're a lot younger than me. I have <laughs> I'm separated from this thing. Because, yeah, if I mean, imagine working for any business these days and somebody unfollows the business on social media. You'd be like, too bad, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. but sports is entertainment. And yeah. when the star refuses to be part of the PR... Right. You you've lost an asset. You know it's 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 like uh you know if if uh, Will Smith is in a movie in ten years when they allow him to make movies again and uh, and he's just like I'm never gonna I'm not gonna do the press junkets I'm not going on Letterman I'm not you know I'm just I'm not promoting this movie that I was in yeah you got a problem that's a little bit what it's like because social media is the PR for the team. Yeah, it's still funny to me that it's that much leverage, though. Like that is just a dimension that is not first and foremost in my mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a cra- it's been a crazy part of this off season, you know, with the receivers leveraging it for for all their trades. And um, yeah, if you had told me, you know, twelve fifteen years ago, kind of at the beginning of social media, that it would play this heavily into like actual nfl things that are actually happening i would have laughed but uh but here we are when it it also makes me wonder like how much does that play in or is that just sort of the thing that everybody notices and and the management is like i do not care you know really this is all a question of money 
Yeah. And he's going to throw his little tantrum on Instagram, and who cares? This is really yeah. about, can we get the deal worked out? And he'll sign on the dotted line, and Drew Rosenhaus or whoever his agent is gets their cut, and like we all we all go home slightly dissatisfied, but generally happy. Yeah. So last Kyler thing on that on that note, do you think it was a good deal? Do you think they did the right thing? Um, in light of the quarterback landscape, <laughs> in light of other options that would or wouldn't be out there theoretically, like I, because I think they were really in a they were between a rock and a hard place with this one in the sense that like. The physical flashes have been unbelievable. Yeah, but but the overall product has been, eh. You know, well, I don't know. Like it depends who you ask, but I I'm dubious about it. I'm I'm not a fan of the signing. I want to I want to know what your thoughts are. Well, like it, it's hard for me to look at that signing in a vacuum because everything else they've done has been stupid. So that's like, true. Like the Cardinals yeah. are a horrendously run organization because mm-hmm. they have a. You know, he he just came off his rookie contract. They didn't take advantage of that. They had yeah. whatever three, four, or this this will be the contract after his rookie contract. Yeah. You know, so they had these these cost control, low cost years, and they're signing like JJ Watt on one leg and AJ Green right. on no legs. And yeah. you know, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, which is a good, was like the one good move they made. They've had a bad yeah. offensive line forever, and and so I look at it and I'm like, was it a good contract? Maybe. But everything else they did was dumb, so they're still going to be bad. And I also have no idea how to look at quarterback contracts anymore for two reasons. One, they keep escalating. Yeah. But they keep escalating, and so does the cap. So if every contract outpaces the last one, you'd think they would hit a ceiling of like, okay, that has to come down. But also the cap is supposed to jump a ton, so they actually become less burdensome on the team. And... It's so clear that you cannot win in the NFL <clears throat> without a great quarterback. And yeah. it's insufferable to have a terrible quarterback. So the middle class of quarterbacks keeps getting rich. See yeah. Kirk Cousins. Right. And he's not good enough to lead the team to a Super Bowl unless everything is right. And even then, I don't trust him. I think mm-hmm. Kyler's in the same boat. Um, yeah. And But you can't not pay him. Yeah. So it's Kyler's a more marketable toolsy interesting version of being in the same boat you yeah know, our, our perception of kyler is that he has this unbelievable ceiling but in reality he may be more in the kirk cousins neighborhood of like 12 to 18th in the league depending on how he's playing on a certain sunday yeah like per, per play he might have one of the top two or three ceilings in the nfl per season yeah. he's like yeah. 10 to 15 in yeah. the league because because the great point because which and C- cousins ceiling is you know eight and eight. his floor yeah. is like 12 whereas yeah. tyler's ceiling is two and his floor is 27 and and yeah. so it the, the variation it's it's like a it's like a home run hitting baseball player who strikes out a ton or hits a lot of you know hits into a lot of double plays like he's gonna hit some big ones and he's gonna really frustrate you with a man on third and and the inability to get the run in kind of thing yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, Pipe, let's take a break. Then we'll come back and talk some aesthetic. Hello, I'm Carol McCracken, and I'd like to invite you to join me and our team on the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. This podcast examines one verse each day to learn more about God and His will for us. I'm excited to tell you about the new series the host team will share with you during this season of Lent. 
Each episode will be a journey to the cross. We will follow Jesus through some of his most significant steps in the Gospels, focusing on a particular verse as we always do. It'll be a progressive series. Join us daily as we follow Jesus doing what he was born to do to save us all. You can find us on Life Audio or whatever you listen to podcast content on. Thanks. All right, Piper, we're back. Let's stay in the NFL since we're talking about the NFL. Um, this was a year in which NFL teams got the green light to experiment with their helmets a little bit and do some changing in terms of colors. In the past, they always had to work with the, the color palette of their, of their main helmet. Uh, ostensibly, this was for safety reasons, which sounded always like BS. And as it turns <laughs> out, it was BS. So, um, oh, just everything in the NFL is always about money. Just it just is. Yeah, even safety is yeah. about money. Oh, definitely, dude. Yeah, this is a very unsafe thing we're all doing here, um, hurling our bodies at each other every week in this way. So, uh, make no mistake about it. Not safe. Never has been. Uh, but we have some new helmets to talk about, pipe, and this is always fun. I would say of the 13 new helmets, I love about half of them, and I hate the other half. And there's really no in-between for me. Um, I would, I would I venture wanna, to say that's a pretty good ratio. Like, that's higher than I would have guessed. Yeah, no, I know. Usually I'm, I'm historically pretty cranky about stuff like this. But um, some of these are improvements, actually. And some of them are, are you know, the other direction. So... I want to talk about a few of my favorites, and then I want to hear your favorites, and then hear about some that you hate. So, not surprisingly, top tier for me, Giants, Patriots, Falcons. They all went with a like 1980s homage. Uh, the Giants, it's the big block. Giants on the side, the red stripe down the middle. This is the Lawrence Taylor, Mark Bavaro, Phil Simms, Joe Morris helmet. And I love it. Uh, it's a beauty. It's clean. It harkens back to, like, the best era of Giants football. Uh, that's a win. The Patriots went with uh, their 1980s white helmet with the three stripes on the white palette. Uh, the Pat Patriot, like, snapping the football uh, on the side. I just, I thought always this was one of the more creative, visually interesting, fun helmets in the <clears throat> league. It looks really yeah. great with that red jersey. Uh, I think that's a solid move for them. And then, dude... The, the one that I'm really, like, going to war for. The red and black Falcons helmet. Like, this one would be... They were in, like, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It just predated Deion Sanders. Um, this is a beautiful helmet. And why they haven't made this their main helmet all these years, I don't... I, I can't explain it. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's a beauty to It me. screams, like, Andre Risen to me. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, I say that is a good thing. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just interesting, and their helmet or their their whole uniform right now is one of the more disastrous, I think, uniforms in the league. Uh, it's just kind of a mess. Um, but this helmet would give it some some gravitas, some weight in history. I really like the helmet. Those are my top three with the Texans at very close with an honorable mention. So the Texans went with just kind of a red metallic helmet with like a blown up version of their logo on it. I think it looks really sharp. Um, it's a really good looking helmet. They've been wearing it in training camp. Uh, it looks nice. So shout out to the Texans for a job well done there. Pipe, what are your favorites? 
trying to find oh there's the texans okay yeah see here's the generally speaking there are two directions that can work for alternate uniforms i think one is Mm -hmm. retro retro yeah assuming it's like a a, a commitment like like pat the patriot is a commitment to the retro so it they just brought it back looks really good the other is a team that doesn't actually have any branding or style just improving their helmet yeah. So, like, the Texans. The Texans have been around for, what, like, 10, 15, well, probably 15, 20 years? And, yeah, 20 years. And Which is, but but they're a non-entity when it comes to sort of, like... Dude, you're right. Historic yeah. style, whatever. So if you put a gun to the average person's head and said, describe the Texans' uniform, they would struggle with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people... It, and there are color schemes that are just kind of boring. And sure. so, like, red, white, and blue, sorry, America, kind of boring. Uh, black and red, not great. Anything that's a black-based yeah. uniform, generally yeah. terrible. Ravens, yeah. Panthers, um, Jaguars. Who yeah. else has done black-based? Uh, Eagles have gone a lot the of Eagles black. Eagles are experimenting with it, yeah, I, and it always looks it's like always, it, yeah. it always looks like any given Sunday. Like, it just, yeah. it, it looks dumb. <laughs> the Miami Sharks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. yeah, generally... <clears throat> So, yeah, retro is good. Redesigning something that doesn't have any... Per- like, I wish the Titans would do something because, you know, we've talked about oh. this at length. They're just... They're boring. They have no style. They, they right. don't have an identity. It's busy but boring. Yeah. Like, it's the busiest uniform in the league and also the the boringest, which yes. seems incongruous, but it, it is the case. So, yeah, I I would agree that, that, that the ones you picked are solid. Um, what... I, I actually kind of like what Dallas has done with theirs because, again, it... Yeah. it I don't think it is retro, but it feels retro. Actually, it is retro. So, like, late 1950s, early 60s, and, like, Cowboys historians might come at me on this. Maybe I've gotten the years wrong. But this was their helmet aesthetic, I think, for a while. Uh, the white base, the the basic blue star, yeah. the two stripes. It's a good look. And they've... I feel like they've gone to it occasionally in years past. Like, I feel like DeMarcus Ware wore this helmet a few times. Um, but it's it's good looking for sure. Yeah, I just I like clean, like clean and yeah. minimal, and and mm-hmm. that yeah, the white base with the blue star looks sharp. Um, mm-hmm. I abhor abhor the Saints. The Saints is oh, so terrible. bad. I'm glad you brought this up. I was I was just about to bring it up. Yeah, talk about why it's bad. Anything that has that has gradations in a uniform uh-huh. is terrible. You know, yeah. the sort of like ombre like one color bleeding into another which is what this looks like so it's a black helmet again bad start yeah especially because that gold helmet that they wore like i don't love the saints uniforms but the gold helmet was had kind of a classic look so black helmet gold flirtily but then it has a stripe down the middle of miniature what is it fleurs de lis fleur de lis i don't really know yeah yeah Yeah. plural in french (laughs) Those little symbols right. running down to the back, and it comes to a point in the back. So it looks like oh, college helmet like stickers. An, like an XFL helmet. Yeah, yeah. And then the right. player's number big on the back. Like, everything about this yeah. looks like, uh, yeah, Division One AA or whatever that division's called now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Coastal Coastal Southeastern Technical School of Louisiana. <laughs> except on a Tuesday on night, Saints. like, yeah, Tuesday night ESPN Mac game or whatever. Yeah, it, Dude, to me, the Saints have done the least with the most ingredients uniform-wise for the past <laughs> 20 years. Like, you look you look at what the Saints could bring to the table uniform-wise, and you're like, oh, this could be a top third of the league uniform. 
and consistently they've fallen on their face. They've consistently gone with like black jersey, black pants, which looks pajamic, as we've discussed before. Um, it's just been it was a bad looking uniform through really the whole Drew Brees era, which is a shame. Like you got to go all the way back to like Jim Everett and Sam Mills to find a Saints uniform that didn't suck, and um, the you know the 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 gold pants, Sam Mills, the black jersey. The kind of basic gold helmet with a black fleur de lis—that was a good helmet. But um, yeah, the Saints kind of perennially disappointing here in the in the the helmet realm. I want to talk about one. <clears throat> I actually want to talk about two that could have been real easy. Uh, they could have been home runs, but these teams both dropped the ball. Jets and the Eagles. The Jets were just like, eh, we're going to do a black helmet with our same forgettable logo on it. So, all right. We have a black helmet, uh, completely forgettable. The Eagles have been experimenting with this, like, incorporate black into our already dark green uniforms for years. It's always looked like trash. Um, and, and they doubled down on black as well, going with just a black helmet, whereas these teams both have, like, epic throwback helmets in their archives that they could have gone with. The Eagles could have gone with Randall Cunningham-era Keith Byers era helmet. Uh, the Jets could have gone with the Richard Todd era, you know, just the the plain green with the the white kind of block Jets. Kind of their answer to the Giants helmet. Uh, but they didn't, and they screwed it up. And It's, um, it's a it's tiny list of colors that goes well with green. And, yeah. and black is not one of them on a Correct. uniform. I mean, so like, <laughs> yeah. let's take it to a different sport. You got the Boston Celtics, classic green yeah. and white uniforms. They're simple, they're crisp, they're clean. Like it's, they have looked basically the same since you know John Havlicek, and yeah. uh, and then they start doing like these gray uniforms and black uniforms. And you're like it looks terrible. They look stupid, mm-hmm. and yeah, and and you've just ruined a thing, which is exactly what the Eagles and the Jets have done. Like bringing black into green doesn't work. You've got green yeah. and white, and that's that's it. That's what you got. Just work with those. That's a really yeah solid clean baseline and and yeah and they're just like what what if we what if we make it look muted and dumb how about we go with that for our fun uniforms yeah yeah i think philly they kind of go into that saints bucket for me of the upside has been really high with their uniform they could have done some amazing things with it uh but the last 20 years have been just a disappointment uh uniform wise in philadelphia uh, pipe. I, I have a question yeah. for you, it kind of, and, and it applies to two different teams. Um, yeah. So it's the teams that have three colors as their base yeah. uniform, and mm-hmm. and so they pull in what has been an accent color as the main one. Okay. And I and I I have mixed feelings about it. So you got the Bears. Yeah. Yeah. Orange jerseys, orange helmet. They've always had orange as an accent color. It's not, and you know, so it's been like the lettering on their helmet or whatever. Now yeah. it's now it's the main color for these uniforms, and then the other is the Bengals who have always been orange and black as their main with white as an accent. Now white is the primary. And yeah, I, I can't decide. These are the ones that I'm like, I don't know if yeah. these are great or I really hideous. We'll have to see them on TV, dude. I, I am kind of in your, in your camp on this in the sense that, yeah, I'm having trouble with it. I'm having trouble as a Bears fan. So here, here's my issue with the Bears. I think if you like put me in a vacuum with no access to history or my feelings or my memories and showed me the helmet, I would be like, oh, I like that. That looks cool. Um, that that sort of kind of, that, that Bears C, the Chicago C, the font, like 
it just always looks good. It looks classy, and it looks cool in the orange. The Bengals helmet, I think I like it because it's got some like fidelity to the original. Um, I think it's going to look really cool on TV, especially if they if they don't screw it up and go with an all black kind of motif beneath it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think if they wear it with like. A normal black and orange jersey, it's going to look really cool. But uh, and that's, that kind of all depends on what they do with it. That's my general sense with these. Because like when you look at what the Eagles and the Jets did, they pulled in a third color that looks dumb. It doesn't work. Whereas these yeah. other teams, they have a color scheme. They just pulled something else to the to the front. I, I'm picturing Bengals in white uniforms, white helmets with black stripes, playing against the Steelers in black and gold. Yeah, and I'm like, that is going to look really good on a Sunday night. That's it. Like yeah. Sunday night, Sunday night football is going to look real sharp Dude, when those right. two teams play. under the lights. That'll be sharp, or that like that'll that against really the Browns sharp. with their orange yeah. and brown. Yeah, it's Definitely. the contrast is is great, and I think the the Bears works too because it still feels like the Bears uniform. It doesn't yeah. feel like they they went and yeah, like went to a costume shop or something. Yeah, exactly. Pipe with these last two, I want to get a little pastoral and just extend some sympathy to the fan bases of the Washington commanders. Did, wait, they have, um, they have a fan base. I was, uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, yeah, few and far between anymore, but, uh, and the Arizona Cardinals, it's been a, it's been a tough kind of preseason for the Cardinals. Anyway, uh, the throwback or the alternate helmet is not going to help. Um, it's just boring. It's black. This looks like, you know how Louisville changes their uniform like every two weeks in college football and they're always playing on a Thursday night <laughs> and it's like, oh, here's Louisville in their like, you know, ninth alternate uniforms against, I don't know, Temple. Yeah, or they, whatever. they don't even the, have a uniform anymore. Season. It's all alternates. They, they wear them yeah. each once a season and then throw them away. Exactly. And then the commanders. Is there a more disappointing kind of top to bottom entire experience in professional sports? Than the Washington Commanders. Uh, Carson Wentz um, says no. <laughs> exactly. Actually, Dan Snyder yeah. says no. He is the king of disappointment. But <clears throat> yeah, it's it's brutal. When I saw their so when they <clears throat> when they named them the Commanders and then they came out with those uniforms, I was just like, they are in fact committed to boring. I think I think yeah. maybe a year or two ago we did a, an NFL episode on what, like which teams matter the least, which ones are the most yeah. boring, and I think yeah. we forgot that Washington existed. Yeah, on, as it should be. Which, they are f- completely forgettable. Yeah, and they they have solidly committed to being forgettable. Yeah. The, I, their name, their uniforms, their quarterback. I mean, their roster, by and large. Yeah, like, you know. <laughs> the best thing about their team is the defensive line, which, you know, unless you're waste. Aaron Donald, is pretty forgettable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, they're, they're going to waste it for sure. Kind of wandering around in the their, in the quarterback. Their best player is named Terry. Like Terry, it, what a great name, though. You know, I mean, if if the best player on your church league softball team is named Terry, you're in trouble. And I, yeah, it, it's not great for an NFL team. That's true, dude. That's such a that's such a good insight. Um, yeah, best player named Terry. Not a lot to be hopeful about there. Even like the feeling that you get when you're flipping around, like. Sunday ticket and you you hit like you you get the commanders game you're just like oh um I, I want to click away from this as quickly as possible yeah is is there any other team you would click away from faster I think well yeah I think Seattle is faster now I think I would completely yeah. skip Seattle 
Um, Carolina, maybe. I'm always kind of disappointed when it's Carolina. Um, but even Carolina, there's a couple guys I'm, I'm halfway interested in watching on their roster. Yeah. Like when Christian McCaffrey's healthy, you know, he's a fun watch. Brian Burns can get after the quarterback a little bit. They're they have, kind of yeah, they have, some, they, they have some decent wide receivers who make some plays yeah. if the quarterback is, you know, not utter trash. Yeah. Um, I'm still a Darnold shareholder, so I've got a little <laughs> I've got a little skin in the game with, with the oh, Panthers. See, that was year. a stock I held on to too long thinking it would rebound, yeah. and in fact it has tanked. I'm going down on the Darnold ship, I think. It's uh you know, we're we're calling for the lifeboats at this point. But uh but yeah, no, Carolina, the commanders, those are those are quick flip aways. If Atlanta, I think, you know, in that conversation being that their most interesting player is a running back who's actually a wide receiver. So well, uh, I, think I think it's think, a tight end, which is well, yeah, you've got Kyle Pitts, who's a, a glorified receiver playing. Tight yeah, end. but um, again, like if your most exciting player is a tight end, yeah, poof, that's rough. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a tough, a tough deal for sure, all the way around, and the uniform's terrible. Um, so yeah, top to bottom, pretty disappointing experience there with the Falcons. Um, Piper, we should move this along just in the interest of time. Uh, that was a fun discussion. We'll come back. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening. We'll talk some MLB. All right, Piper, we're back. We have uh, MLB. What do they call these? I always conflate the leagues. Do they call them City Connect? Yeah, they do. They MLB City Connect uniforms. Which, um, can we pause and, and consider that name for a moment? Yeah, please. Let's do it. What let's is unpack the whole thing? What is connected to what? Some of these teams I are not no named idea. after cities; they're named after states. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. What is being connected? It's more like it's more like disconnected from. I mean, there's nothing about this is connected. They're not connected to the previous yeah. uniforms. They're not connected to the cities. They're not connected to good design. It nope. is not connected to history. No, I mean, as far um, as I know, they're not even connected to the fans. Like, I don't even think fans like these things. Yeah. So to me. There's a couple aspects of this kind of at a high level, and then we can drill down into into specifics. Um, one aspect of this pipe is the if I'm only going to the ballpark once a year factor. So, like, yeah, growing up, money wasn't growing on trees. So if I went to a big league game, I was going once a year. You know what I mean? I was going to see the Reds in Cincinnati, or I was going to see the Cubs in Chicago with my grandpa. I'm going once a year. And if the once a year that I go as a kid is the day that they're wearing their crappy, like, ninth alternate City Connect uniform, I mean, I'm still having a good time because I'm with my dad or my grandpa or whatever, but I'm a little disappointed. You know what I mean? Right. Um, If I go to see the Cubs and they're wearing their, like, stupid Wrigleyville jerseys, uh, I'm a little bummed out. So there's that. Um, The other aspect of this is the fact that the NBA did it and it was disastrous and a joke and like to me hateable across the board in the NBA um and then the MLB sees it and they're like oh we'll do the same thing you know that that seems like a great idea we'll we'll butcher our uniforms and our history in the same way so i think just a bad idea but i want to zip through these and see well quick quick thought on that yeah <clears throat> I, I disliked the NBA uniforms. I, I just I generally hate alternate uniforms. I mean, just as yeah. a rule, don't do it. Even if they're good, mm-hmm. just don't do it. You, mm-hmm. you the odds of improving on your actual uniform are not great. I will say this: the NBA aesthetic culture 
Yeah. Totally. Th- these worked there. They worked for yeah. the fans. They worked for jersey sales. There, There is not a historic... Like, people are not historically in love with... You know, there's not there's not the nostalgia about uniforms in the NBA. MLB yeah. is a different ethos altogether. Where that is very true. Like when yeah, you go very, very to Wrigley Field, you want to see white pinstripes. Yes, or dude. white jersey blue pinstripes, I should say. When yeah. you go to Yankee Stadium, you want to see white jersey blue pinstripes. When you go to Boston, yeah. you want to see crisp white uniform, Red Sox across the front. You you know, yeah. and and so these things are actually like they're not moving us into the 21st century. They're like disconnecting us from the things that we love about the game. And maybe I'm speaking as an old person, but like 11 children like baseball in the first place. And the reason they do is because their dads do. Yeah. So that's like, true. let us no. love it instead of fouling yeah. it up. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I think you make a good point with the NBA, but even with the NBA, there are a few franchises that should be just locked in a glass case. Don't touch the uniform. Like the Celtics are one of them. Yeah, I don't want to see the Celtics wearing like a like a blue and orange uniform. Or even the Lakers, dude. And and I realize like things have gotten weird with the Lakers over the last I don't know five or six years or whatever. But like I don't know. To me, that that kind of purple and gold Laker Magic era uniform. Put it in a glass case. That's just that's your uniform. You know, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. Um, this is the uniform that you're wearing. And there are a few like that. And there are a few like that in MLB as well. So to me, and I want to get your take on this. This is more of a high-level thing. The ones that I felt the most positive about in terms of the MLB City Connect uniforms were connected to the franchises that, much like the Texans, kind of had no identity and no history anyway. Um, so it's like, take, take a franchise like the Colorado Rockies. They've never had a good uniform. Um, <laughs> it's because they started it, with purple and black. They started in the 90s, and I, you know I love all things 90s, but one of the mistakes of the 90s was purple and black. So see also Sacramento Kings. Um, a, a, a lot of people the went Ravens. With, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of people went with purple and black in the 90s. It was a bad idea. So I don't know. Unless you live in like Denver, you don't care about the Colorado Rockies. The uniform means nothing to you. So this alternate I'm looking at here with, okay, it's green and white, which makes no sense. That's not the color scheme of the team, but again, whatever. It, to me, they should have made it look like a Coors can. You know what I mean? They should have made it look like a silver like Coors Light can. Um, that would have made the most sense. And then like, as a of, player warms up, the jersey changes colors? Yeah, exactly. As the player gets warmer, the jersey changes colors. Dude, that's brilliant. That see, that's brilliant. That's some next level like marketing talk right there. Um, that would have been good. So the Rockies one, I'm I'm not like I don't hate it. Maybe they should have <laughs> gone with some weed related thing. You know, like um, I don't know. I just love that the best thing we can worked. say is I don't hate it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, others that we don't hate. Um, you know, Miami can do whatever it wants. The Miami Marlins. Yeah, I mean, they, no history. They no have anything. changed. Yeah. Well, they, for, yeah, they started with that 90s black and teal. Teal was another 90s big hit. I think they kind of oh, did man. teal because yeah. it tied in with the, it was kind of the Miami uh, Dolphins kind of their thing. Yeah. But they've changed their colors. They went from Florida Marlins to Miami Marlins. They've changed their colors. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. I kind of like theirs. It also, yeah. one of the coolest things about theirs is that it looks a little bit, it's almost got a tie-in to like the Cuban national team. 
Yeah, it has that, that, that is the true. red and blue. And those uniforms are, are kind of classic and sharp looking. So I don't, yeah, theirs are fine. Yeah. Um, Dude, the Washington Nationals, where are you at on that? Again, this is a team with like, it, it kind of does have some history, actually, if you if you go deep into it. But um, I, wish they I don't had think just, anyone. I wish they had just done the Expos uniform for theirs. Yeah, dude, that old Expos uniform was dope. It, it bothers me. I mean, not like morally bothers me, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's so petty that they have completely cut ties with, you know, they moved from Montreal. That team was cool, mm-hmm. had some amazing yeah. players, and it's like they've scrubbed the history of it. Like, it never happened. And I'm like, yeah. but but Larry Walker and, you know, Pedro Martinez and yeah. who else was on those teams? I mean, uh there was so many Dude, good Rod Carew was on those teams for a while. Yeah, Vladimir um, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. and so on and so forth. And yeah, the Nationals are like they have boring uniforms normally. This one is also boring, but they kind of tied in that like it is one that's actually connected to the city. But I will say pink yeah. cherry blossoms um right. doesn't scream baseball to me. That screams like middle-aged ladies trying to time their visit to DC. Yeah, it looks like a hipster's like wedding invitation. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, if I opened this from one of my students who graduated six years ago, I would be like, "Oh, yeah, it's it, you know, or like a Caitlin's it, getting married. How nice!" Or like one of those know? silk printed short sleeve shirts that guys wear unbuttoned down to their navels. <laughs> that kind of looks yeah, like that. Exactly. Exactly. I um, I don't like the Padres, but I really appreciate the boldness. Okay, here's my issue with the Padres. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Other than the, the fact pa- that it's hideous. Yeah, it's hideous. It's awful. The Padres have a great uniform. Yes. And the Padres already have like a a kind of they're they're getting a blue ribbon for most creative anyway in terms of making that making the color scheme work and making it work really well. Like the Padres have every reason to just hold their head high uniform wise anyway, despite not having like I mean they're not the Yankees, they're not the Red Sox, they're not the Cubs. They don't have one of these like historic franchises but they have a cool uniform that's been like their corner of the market for years and this thing this this thing looks like it's like when your parents like you go to visit them and they they got like a a quote-unquote new like mexican restaurant in their city that they want to try but you know it's going to be like the other nine that they liked previously and you go like oh don pablo's (laughs) i've heard of that yeah exactly you go and like this is the color scheme and you're like all right we're we're doing this again um that's what the Padres uniform looks like. I want to talk about one that I'm morally opposed to. <laughs> I can, the bo- I was the I was going I was going to guess it was it was either going to be the Cubs but my first thought was was Boston. It's Boston. Like <laughs> yeah. what are we doing with the color scheme? Like I this looks like a U- Ukrainian soccer jersey and I'm I like the Ukraine. My my kids are from there. Um, I have good feelings also, about it. Also, these are the colors is... for Ukraine's flag, so it makes sense for them. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes all the sense in the world for Ukraine's soccer team to have this color scheme. But for the Boston Red Sox, iconic, historic, to have this color scheme, I'm I'm not into it. Um, yeah, this is, is... I mean... This is bad. Is there any... Like, is there a... Uh... Was like a history in Boston? Like, is this supposed to symbolize like something about you know, I don't know, the high seas and all the gold in Tammany yeah. Hall or something? Like, what are we? I, I, what are we talking? Actually, about I'm reading about it and I feel stupid. Um, apparently, this was their first uniform. Like in 1907, their primary colors were blue and and yellow. <laughs> so 
I don't know, man. I still don't like it. Um, here's one that I I can kind of live with: the Diamondbacks. Like they're, if you but again, another team my, that has a different uniform every year. That's the thing. If you if you stopped me on the street and said describe the Diamondbacks uniform, I couldn't do it, even though they've been with us for 25 years. Um, yeah, so this one I don't hate it. Um, you know, one that's really good. What really good? The Angels. Dude, I was just going to say that. That's cool looking. Um, Really, really cool looking. And, yeah, they're one of those teams. They're kind of like the Padres in that my perception of the Angels is always they were were always like L.A.'s other team. Um, I've kind of always liked the Angels uniform, especially in the 80s and 90s growing up. I thought they had a cool look. Um, Of late, it's been kind of forgettable. This one is bold. Um, this one looks very like early to mid 1960s to me in a, in a very cool way. And I dig it. Um, yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. It, it, it is reminiscent stylistically of like the 1960s and seventies Reds teams. Like Johnny bench could have worn this if, except, you know, different city. It it has that feel to it. I love, I love the hat. So the red back, white front panel, big red, a, it says angels yeah. in like a yeah kind of a, it looks almost like a hand painted sign so not cartoony yeah. but like like a like an old like an old sign it's uh yeah it's just it's one that actually looks like it has a retro vibe it looks like the city and it looks yeah. like the team i don't know yeah it, it's no you're right i mean if it's good design if i lived in anaheim and cared about this team i would i would pull the trigger on this hat immediately like i would i would own it right away which i'm sure is the whole point. Um, I am. Can I? I have another one that I'm morally opposed yeah. to, and it it is it is the uh, the Cubs, and <clears throat> I, talk about it. Goodness, I don't even know what to say without like cursing. <laughs> yeah, they changed the colors, so the Cubs have uh-huh. always been royal blue. You know, just yeah. that 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 crisp blue really pops on a sunny day, which all their games are on sunny days because they don't play night yes. games for the most part. Yeah, the, the simple red block C, and uh, and then they went navy blue or almost navy mm-hmm. blue, and it says Wrigleyville in like the kind of font that is on like this is the kind of shirt you would buy at the the tourist shop next to the Cubby Bear across from Wrigley Field <laughs> for right. like thirty eight dollars. It's like a, a jersey, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, they're so dumb looking and. <laughs> and they have the they have one of the two or three best uh, total aesthetic packages in baseball between the stadium, the uh, history, the, yeah. the 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 ivy. Their uniform mm-hmm. is not spectacular, but it it's perfect for the it setting. Is. It is, and it's yeah, perfect for the setting. I I yeah. would boo them on principle for coming out in this. Even like I'm not a Cubs fan, but if I was, I would still boo yeah. them just for not having a good uniform anymore. It's, it's yeah, offensive. it's uh, it is offensive. So can we? Can I ask a kind of bigger question about all three of the leagues that we've talked about? Uh, the NFL, the NBA. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. 
and even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform. In MLB. Are we going to look back on this era and go, Nike did so much damage to the visual sort of palette. You could throw college football in there too, for that matter. I think Nike's done an unconscionable job over the course of the last 20 years with all three of these leagues. Um, and Nike's only had baseball for a couple of years. So, I mean, ca- caveats all around. And I don't even think they've had basketball for that long. But they've had football since 2012. It's been a disaster. And I don't know. We we People of a certain age, again, and I, I would be interested to ask like a 15-year-old about this. But like Nike was the iconic kind of shoe sports company of our of our lifetimes. And yet... I look at all these disastrous uniforms and they're responsible for all of them. And I wonder if I'm not giving Nike like a lifetime pass just for coming up with Jordans when I was in fourth grade. Um, because the, the, the rest of it has been pretty bad. Your thoughts. It's, I mean, it's definitely going to be one of those things where like, you know, there's always eras in sports. Usually it's, it's attached to morals, you know, yeah. It's this is the pre-segregation or the the pre-integration era, the segregation era. This is yeah. the the drug era. This is, you know, the performing yeah. performance enhancing drugs or uh whatever. And or dead ball era, these different things. I do think this right. is going to be one that they look back on and it's it's like the it will probably go down as like the branding era. Yeah. When when the product on the field was surpassed in popularity by the the branding and marketing of the the teams and Ugh. like championships almost matter less than revenue i don't know yeah. probably not almost they definitely matter less than revenue and yeah and so that yeah i, I you know and who knows when this era ends but it, yeah. i think it will at some point there's going to be sort of a a pendulum swing towards stability. These things always mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, if you can read books now about how Nike changed the NBA, it changed yeah. the popularity of the NBA, the globalism of the NBA it created superstars, the economics of the game completely shifted. It, it became a yeah. thing where, where style mattered a ton. And yeah. And, and now we're just seeing the excess of that where instead of, yes, yeah kind of putting a putting something out there and letting it catch fire they're like fire hosing us with styles yeah i mean nike worked initially because the two players that they hung their hats on early in their life cycle steve prefontaine and jordan just worked (laughs) like they they were superstars they were rock stars they worked at the highest level of like whatever that magical ingredient of like human interaction and caring about a person is those two individuals just pumped it out in droves. Well, then a few years later, Tiger worked. Woods, I mean, he, I was just going to say was the Tiger thing worked line. too. He was their golf line. He put, you know, in a popular way, he kind of put golf on the map. Um, you know, so yeah, like you, you talk about those three people and it's like that really worked, but that worked 
irregardless of, and I know that's not a word, but it, it worked regardless of what Jordan had on his feet. You know what I mean? The, the, the Nike Air Jordan 1 could have been a burlap sack, and we would have all loved it because it, it was Jordan who was wearing it. You know what I mean? And it, and it happened to be that it was a, a appealing design and, you know, very cool for its time and the whole thing. But, you know, it was Jordan that sold that shoe more than the design of the shoe itself. I mean, if, like, Terry Cummings is wearing that shoe, no, nobody cares about it. You know what I mean? Um, so... I don't know. It's it's interesting well, to just look at the whole Nike thing. Yeah, and I think Nike. I think Nike has kind of. I mean, it's all, they're sort of at the too big to fail, and they they have lost that connection to people, and they're sort of like, if we make it, it is good. Instead of going, it is good if the people you look to say it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's. Well, also, yeah. this is very corporate. What they're doing these are, these mm-hmm. are corporate uniforms. This is, I mean, like, yeah. what if Nike took over the post office? What would our mailmen be wearing? Like, it, it, <laughs> yeah, they, that's exactly. essentially the same thing. We're just looking at uh-huh. uniforms for working, except we're yeah. supposed to buy them. Yeah. No. Exactly. And um, yeah, it's an interesting kind of like consumer. Um, I don't know, rat in a maze sort of dynamic where like. It seems like they're pushing that envelope of like, how many new things can we put out that they'll still buy? And we want to we want to tiptoe the consumer right up to that line of like, oh, they're sick of it. They're they've had so many like little food pellets that they're puking now. Um, but they're they're walking us right up to that line, and it's it's unappealing to me. And it's either because it's actually unappealing or because I'm old, and I'm not sure which. <laughs> which reason it is maybe a little bit of both but um yeah and and even on the the prefontaine jordan woods continuum i think it started with a really good product you know what i mean like running shoes were deficient until you know prefontaine and phil knight and the other guy like came up with a better way to make a running shoe so that one started with like a great product and an iconic kind of rock starish person to sell it. Um, whereas now it's just like, we're not even claiming that these jerseys or shoes or whatever are better. They're just different. Like there's just a different design and different colors and here buy it. Yeah. Well, and, and, I mean, same with basketball shoes. Like, you know, not that the first Jordans were great shoes, but like basketball shoes were pretty, you went from like the the uh, the Converse, uh, you know, Converse All Star Canvas yeah. shoe era to just sort of like mediocre Reeboks, Adidas, Nikes. There's kind yeah. of meh, and and they they filled a void. We're gonna make better yeah. shoes, and we're gonna make better looking shoes. Running shoes were like yeah. destroyed people's feet. It was like running in dress shoes, and then yeah. they came out with what the, was a Nike Cortez was one of the first big ones that that went crazy. In the yeah. what sixties, seventies, early seventies, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and now it's you know now running shoes are styles, but they're not the same brand. Like you can go get there's seventy two different brands of great running shoes that people also wear right. for fashion, and I think right. I think what's what's tricky about this is that the uniforms have never been like no no fan has ever bought a team jersey for functional reasons 
you buy them yeah, for true. attachment to the team reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we're moving from attachment to a team to fashion statement only. The only reason right. you buy a Padres City Connect jersey is because it's kind of a bold fashion statement, not a, like, I love the Padres. If you love the yeah. Padres, you're going to get... You're probably you're gonna get like a retro Manny Machado looking jersey, or t- you're gonna go back and get a Tony yeah. Gwynn or a Steve Garvey right. or something like that, and like, right. it's, it's gonna look and feel different. Yeah, no, no question, no question. Pipe, we've been at this for upwards of an hour. We should uh, we should land the plane. This was a lot of fun, man. Um, I've been kind of mentally thinking through a list of all time Terry's. Um, your Terry McLaurin comment got me thinking. I mentioned Terry Cummings, Terry Francona. Um, I'm sure we're Terry's. Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, Terry Bradshaw is probably on the all-time Terry Rushmore, yeah. I would think. But um, anybody we're forgetting? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, let's. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's been one or two other football players named Terry, but yeah, it, yeah, just a it. It's not a name that you associate with like athletic greatness. Huh. Yeah. Um I'm sure our listeners will have other other Terry ideas. I there's got to be a hockey player or two named Terry um who were who were legendary over the years, but Terry Kennard played for the Giants was a, a D-back in the 80s. I'm we're going we're going deep cuts now. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Pipe, this has been fun, man. We've done what we always do in that we've talked a little bit of sports and a lot of uniform aesthetics. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. Be sure to visit thehappyrant.com to check out our merchandise, learn more about upcoming live events, and listen to past episodes. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.